When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, quick caveat to the episode that you're about to listen to. Unfortunately, one of the prospects that we cover, Bobby Clintman out of Wake Forest, has announced that he will be withdrawing from the NBA draft. We just found this out moments ago, just as I was prepared to release this episode. In spite of that fact, I'm going to leave our discussion on him in this episode, and you guys can just use it for later reference in the 2024 draft. But regardless, I think our discussion on him is very insightful and informative, so just uh, keep that in your back pocket if it ever resurfaces again. We do still have three other forward prospects that we'll get into that should still wet your palate enough. But yeah, just wanted to caveat that before you guys dive into this episode. So anything you hear about Bobby Clintman unfortunately does not apply for the Lakers in this 2023 NBA draft. But with that said, please enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where win, lose, draw, just have fun. How about wing, lose, draw, just draft one? A wing, that is. Because if there was ever a time to take a few swings on some nifty wings, well, it's at the 2023 NBA Draft. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, And in this episode, we are going to be looking at some long, lanky 3-and-D wings slash tweener forwards that Lakers fans should keep a look out for in this year's NBA draft at the number 17 pick range and onward. But before we get into those wings slash forward prospects, please make sure if you haven't already done so to catch our 2023 NBA draft comprehensive deep dive episode with No Ceilings NBA correspondent Albert Gim, because in that episode, we go through about 20 prospects who the Lakers should target in this year's draft. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop NBA draft cram session in audio form, that is the best episode to check out from a purple and gold perspective. Episode 481, Picks or It Didn't Happen. Just check our queue. Also, if you guys would be so kind as to help us out by rating and reviewing us five stars on the Apple Podcast app, that would be amazing. Or simply search us up on the Spotify app and hit that five-star button at the top of our page if you've already rated and reviewed us on iTunes or you don't use that app. Everybody should have Spotify. Should be very easy to do. We do this stuff for free. We're not breaking even, truth be told. But we do it because we're passionate about covering this team. And if you appreciate that passion and regularly soak up our content, please chuck some digital five stars our way. 
and to those that have supported us in the past and continue to do so, and especially those who have been loyal Patreon supporters, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You guys are what's kept this show going for so long. All right, but anyway, let's get back to our show. Hey, Tommy. Oh, hey. Time to get into some forwards and wangs. Are you down? I love a good wang. Especially them long ones. Um, by the way, <laughs> by the way, have you had the time to take a step back and just realize the oddity of us now at the life stage that we're at? And maybe you have done this, given the fact that you now have a son and maybe he's primed you to this more or maybe less because you're busy taking care of him. But do you find it weird that we are now legitimately analyzing barely legal kids out of college? And at this point, we're almost like, these kids are pretty much half our age now. It was fine when they were our peers and we were only like four to five years older than them. But now they are like, again, almost half our age. I believe Delo's draft class may have been the last draft class where it still felt like, okay, it's kind of weird that we're older than them, but it's still kind of just like analyzing a fellow peer. But now we are literally analyzing kids who are only a few years older than your son. Okay, that's exaggerating it, but have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I mean, I could be Gigi Jackson's father, to be honest. <laughs> but I will say, yeah, it, it is weird. I, I have definitely thought that for the last few years. Um, when we drafted Max Christie, I remember just being like appalled that this guy was like eight, barely eight, you know, nine, not even eight, 19 years old. So like, it, it's it's definitely, definitely very odd. I will say like being older, though, gives me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, right? It kind of gives you more perspective and you're like a less you can see I guess bigger picture projections of what someone can be I think like when we were younger maybe we were like looking for who's NBA ready right now a lot more and that was like easier for us to scout and I think maybe as we've gotten older I mean we've been doing this podcast for a long time right I Mm -hmm. even in just the time we've been doing this podcast I feel like I've gotten better at sort of looking at a tape and sort of figuring out like, okay, this guy is not ready now, but he's a baby. And by the time he is ready, you can see sort of where his career can go. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's given us a much deeper understanding and perspective on how to evaluate these prospects. And we have many different reference points to look to in the last few years of doing this that I think should help guide our insights moving forward. For this episode, we shall be talking about three or four high-ceiling upside 6'9 wings slash tweener forwards who may be around at the Lakers' number 17 pick. But these are guys, Tommy, that I like to call the uh, 69ers, AO. So let's start with Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, 6'9 wing, one of the youngest prospects in this draft class, 18 years old. He is a scoring wing. And he did have some immaturity issues during the season where he went on IG Live and called out his coach. So that's not good. And <laughs> and I think with regards to his game, he is pretty volatile. Up until this point, he hasn't put it together defensively. But with regards to if you just look at how this dude is built, 6'9 with a... Let me just make sure that I have his wingspan uh 6'9 with a 7 foot wingspan 31 inch standing vertical 37 inch max vertical this guy is built like Jonathan Kaminga but insane. he but he plays offense 
like Paul George. Okay, I know that's an exaggeration, and I know he shot very poorly in college. He was very inefficient, but the flashes that you do see of this dude, like off the dribble, pull up Jays, turn around fadeaway Jays, tough shot maker. Yeah, I think for me, like he just has such a smooth stroke, and he looks like the prototypical, like beautiful scoring wing who, if you need a bucket, have him in isolation and he'll take you off the dribble, a little bit of uh, Tatum-esque type stuff, and he can get it done. Now, there are a lot of questions with his de- his defense, his maturity, and his shot selection, but Tommy, for me, I would put it as he kind of reminds me of Anthony Edwards in Jonathan Kaminga's body. But what are your thoughts on Gigi Jackson from what you've seen of him? So he is like an extreme, like open floor athlete. I think the thing that's like the most interesting to me is like you kind of mentioned, he looks like, I mean, he is, he is, he's, he doesn't look like he is legit, like NBA power forward size. So sometimes he catches the ball on the perimeter and I'm like, okay, he's like the power forward. He's going to pass it, you know, when you're watching these like clips, right? But he just like is surprisingly adept at putting the ball on the floor. Um, he can score at multiple levels. Again, we'll talk about the inefficiency in just a second, but he can play in the post. He can run off screens for jumpers. He can play off the dribble to sort of create create his own shot. It's just like you don't really often see that at someone this size. I think like... Mm-hmm. You know, he had good rebounding numbers in college, which shows he's willing to get involved there, um, use his sort of like length and strength uh, and athleticism to kind of muck it up in the paint a little bit. Right. The thing about the shot selection that you mentioned, I'm curious if like that improves with better teammates in the NBA. I mean, he was at uh, playing for a very, very, very bad team in college yeah. and he was the guy and he was just chucking it. So like, how does that look in you know, when he comes into like these workouts and, and how does he do it? Uh, is he too young? That's a question I have for him. I made the joke, right? A few seconds ago about I, I could be his father, but he literally, I think is the youngest player in this draft. Um, I think ultimately I have him as like the type of super high upside, like moonshot guy that typically mm-hmm. goes like later in the lottery. I, Cause his skills are a little bit less refined right now, but he clearly has something. He just needs time. Um, I think like what I I think the thing that's confusing to me with him is he's all over these different mocks. I've seen him like as high as number 10 in some drafts. I've seen him like into the 20s in other mock yeah. drafts. Um, I kind of compare him to like a more athletic Marcus Morris. Um, yeah. Just because of his ability to score at multiple levels. I just think he's like obviously much more athletic than Marcus Morris. Um and yeah, I think like he seems like a big time upside shot, especially if you have multiple firsts. I would not be opposed at all um, to taking him at 17. I think there's a decent chance he goes above 17. Yeah, I agree with you. I like the more athletic Marcus Morris. How about Rudy Gay as an upside play? Yeah. Because Rudy Gay too. was almost that tweener four who operated in the mid range, could also shoot threes, was a was athletic as hell. So I think what you want for Gigi Jackson, though, is Rudy Gay, who's trying to be more like Jeremy Grant for the Lakers' yeah. sake, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who fills that, like, 3 and D role. The downside of Gigi Jackson, if things don't hit, though, Tommy, is, like, Kevin Knox. <laughs> you know, like, where yeah. you see him in Summer League and he's, like, you know, getting guys off the dribble, like, all of these pull-up mid-range Js and threes, and then he never puts it together defensively. He's kind of an airhead and you're like 
Where's Kevin Knox now? Oh, I guess he put up a couple 20-pointers for a very bad Detroit Pistons team, but how can you really use him in a competitive setting, right? So Agreed. The defense is suspect, I will say. Yeah, but I mean, he's only 18, and there's room to grow. 15 points, 6 rebounds, 0.8 steal, 0.8 blocks. So even though, like, fundamentally he's not a good defender, just because of his innate physique and wingspan— He's still getting you the stocks, you know? So that's encouraging. He also hit 39%. I was just going to say he also, like, you know, we've been talking about the inefficient shooting. But if you watch him shoot, his shot does not look broken, in my opinion. I mean, and he did hit 39%. He hit 39% on corner threes, um, which was Mm. pretty good. Yeah, that is very encouraging. Only 38% from the field, which lends the shot selection to maybe too much of a load being put on his plate and only 32% from three overall 1.7, but the corner shooting at 39% is encouraging. So yeah, I would not mind a high upside swing for Gigi Jackson. I'm just not sure the Lakers would take a risk like that, but it's pretty risky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to our prospect. Number two, Leonard Miller, six, nine, six, 10 with a seven foot two wingspan out of the G league ignite. He is a defensive transition handling versatile tweener four. With the G League Ignite this past season, he averaged 16 points, 10 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.8 blocks on 55% from the field, 33% from three, hitting 0.7 a game, so low volume. But he did shoot 79% from the stripe. Now, Leonard Miller is very long. He has a very strong frame. He can grab the rebound and go. He's a pretty good playmaker, especially in transition. Runs the floor well. Is a good cutter, off-ball finisher. And for me, if the Lakers take a shot at him or if he's still there at number 17, Leonard Miller could really be a force on the defensive end. He's very athletic and has good touch around the rim. The only problem with him, though, is he kind of fits the Vanderbilt mold. And that's sort of the comp that people have had for him. Although I will say Leonard Miller is a much better offensive player in terms of finishing. And I think he has more of a shot than Vanderbilt does. Even though when you see him shoot, his mechanics look very wonky. He shoots it right in front of his face and it looks very robotic. But he has at least shown the ability to hit three-pointers. But I think his role initially will be rim running, pick and roll roller, defender, like kind of the utility versatile tweener four who has more upside than a Vanderbilt currently. But on this Lakers team, there is some positional redundancy that they will have to keep into account. But in his upside version, in the upside version of Leonard Miller, if he can actually hit some three point shots, I kind of see him in this Jaden McDaniels tweener four sort of role. So what are your thoughts on Leonard Miller? I think he's, Again, super, super athletic, fluid in motion. You know, you mentioned this too, but he does like to operate mostly in the paint right now. He he gets a lot of his scoring, you know, out of the dunker spot as a roll man and fast break rim running. I think he uses the physical gifts he has on the defensive side, which is encouraging to see for a young player. You know, he's really, he's pretty good at the help side blocks. Um, he uses his length uh, to create walls in the paint good verticality again for a young player offensively he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a a draft prospect jaron jackson jr um like 
before mm. Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of came into the NBA and sort of established himself. Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. is on a different tier of sort of prospect. Even back then, he was like a top four pick. So, like, it's not exactly the same. But, you know, he's what I'm getting at is like Leonard Miller is just not a very fluid offensive player, despite like having these random weird, weird skills. I think his shooting is going to be like a huge problem, actually, for him in the NBA. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hitchy and clunky. He's got like a slow release. The interesting thing I think I think for him is he's listed as a wing, right? We're talking about him as a wing. I think he's really more of like a, you know, you you said a power forward. He is I a think four. He's more, yeah. he's more of a four or five even in the NBA. And I think the the problem is, especially for a team like us, he's going to get bullied in the paint for a while. Um, and he's like one of these guys who's just like. He's really moldable clay, but he doesn't have a lot of sure things about him. Like Mm -hmm. he's got the tools to be a good defensive player, but and maybe he will just come in and be an elite defensive player. But I just offensively, there's so many question marks and he's going to need so much time. I I personally of the prospects we're going to talk about. I'm I'm probably the least high on him. Although if again, if we were like a lotto team, I, I would maybe take a look like I sorry, a rebuilding team. I would take a look. So I hear you on the shot, but I think one of his actually most promising skill sets coming out of college was his playmaking, especially in transition. And one of the comps for him, which I don't agree with, but one of his comps was Lamar Odom. And so I do think he has ball handling skills and pretty good playmaking skills. And if you can extrapolate that out and continue to grow that, so this is going to sound insane, but my high upside comp for Leonard Miller would be... Pascal Siakam light. Okay. Because Pascal Siakam can shoot, eventually found a way to shoot threes, but still not at a high level. But his bread and butter is defense, rebounding, and getting assists, playmaking, right? So I see Leonard Miller in that sort of vein with regards to, I think eventually he's going to average three to four assists if he becomes like a one of those forward ball handlers in transition. Whether or not the Lakers are the place for him, I agree with you. I don't think I see that future. But for another team, or if the Lakers do decide to develop Leonard Miller, I think that could be his high upside play. His low floor would be a Jared Vanderbilt who's a better like offensive player, you know? So let's take it to break. When we return, let's round it out with two more prospects who fit this sort of 6'9", 6'8", wing slash tweener forward role. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, so we are back. Closing out this episode, Tommy, let's talk about Mr. Bobby Clintman. Some people like to say Bobby Clintman, but his real his real name is Bobby Clintman or Bobby Clintman. Um, he is a 6'9", 6'10", forward, 20 years old out of Wake Forest. He is a utility four with versatility on both ends, though maybe he doesn't have that high of a ceiling. We'll see. People characterize him as a late bloomer. He did grow up in Sweden, though he is not an international prospect. 
People also have categorized him as the quote-unquote most interesting man in the draft, simply because he hasn't really gotten a lot of time to showcase his skill set in his first year at Wake Forest. He did pull out of the draft combine, and people are presuming that maybe he has a first-round promise. But yeah, Bobby Clintman is more of a theoretical extrapolate and project out his skill set from the few flashes that you have seen. He's that type of prospect because in 20 minutes with Wake Forest, he only averaged 5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks, 41% from the field, 37% from three, hitting 0.8 a game in just 20 minutes. Now, his last 11 games when he averaged 29 minutes, He did average 8.5 points, 7.2 rebounds, 1.4 blocks, 45% from the field, 41% from three. So you're already starting to see the main mold of his game right there. Um, So to me, Bobby Clintman is very interesting because he kind of reminds me of Rui a little bit. He's a bit slow-footed, a little bit loafing at times, but then also when you see him put the ball on the floor, all of a sudden he's pretty quick and then athletic with great strength. And overall, he seems like, for a a player that's been categorized as the mystery man of the draft and a high upside swing, he actually seems very stable and heady as a player and almost like Rui boring, you know? Um, But I have heard with regards to his three-point stroke, he does have a pretty good and fluid shooting profile though some although the the shot release seems a bit slow also like Rui but overall I think for Bobby his calling card is just being versatile throughout and having good feel for the game he's also a really heady and nice passer even though the statistics won't necessarily show that so for me I kind of see him toggling back and forth between being this like Boris Diaw Mark Morris-ish type player in the modern NBA. I don't know if you remember this guy from a couple, it's like a decade back now, Tommy, but there was this player in the NBA before we got to this modern day type of play. He was a tweener four as well, could shoot threes, could do a little bit of everything, but never could hit his ceiling. But do you remember Austin Day? Austin Day. I have not heard that game, that name in a long, long time. Was he on the Warriors? What was he on? Austin Day was on the Pistons for a little bit, but I think he was drafted. He was on the Cavs. He kind of went everywhere, but I mean, his mold was sort of like what teams covet now. He started off in Detroit and then moved around from there, but he was the the type of tweener four who could hit threes, rebound. So I kind of see maybe Bobby Clintman in this role. I don't know why I bring up Austin Day, actually. It's like irrelevant name. But in terms of his body profile, he has a really good defensive skill set as well. I think that's one thing I forgot to mention. He has a good three-point shooting stroke, but his defensive upside is there based off of how long he is, 6'10", with like a 7'1 wingspan, and how strong he is and how sturdy of a base he does have. He has tree trunk legs, kind of like Rui as well. So I could see pretty good potential for him. And he kind of looks like, if you've seen Jabari Smith of the Rockets, he looks like Jabari Smith, but like the more toned-down low offensive ceiling version of like a Jabari Smith tweener four. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Bobby Clintman? So I think like Leonard, he's more of a four or five, I think in the NBA, Um, especially, I mean, he's going to have to bulk up quite a bit to play the five, but he, I I, I think because of his lack of athleticism, he's not going to be able to 
stick with, you know, the athletic threes in the NBA. Although he has, in my opinion, he's shown like defensive engagement. Um, and I think the big thing that you said that I'm just going to build off of is the feel for the game. And and despite mm-hmm. the, you know, we can call it boring or, or whatever, uh, it, you know, maybe even unknown because he didn't get that many minutes, like you mentioned, to me, he's actually one of my favorites of the prospects mm-hmm. we've talked about so far, just because you see how he can fit because he has such a good feel for the game. You can slot him in as a bench player right away and he might be able to do some things. I think the weird thing about him is he really likes to operate on the perimeter, or at least that's what he showed in college. He can take the ball off the dribble, which is kind of alarming to watch for someone his size, because it's like, you're not really expecting it. And not only can he do it, He's like not out of control when he does it. It's just that when he takes the ball off the dribble, he's mostly doing it to pass to someone else. He doesn't want to finish in the paint. He's like he gets knocked around. Um, you know, he can't really get all the way to the rim. He doesn't he has fluidity off the dribble, but he doesn't he's an, I mean, he's a really a power forward. So it's not like he's taking guys off the dribble on the perimeter. It's mostly like you're going to close out on me. I, I do have the ability to put it on the ground. I mentioned the defensive engagement. I really think he needs to, like, develop a mid range jump shot because teams are going to play him to shoot. He wants to stand on the on the perimeter and shoot threes. He's not con- he's extremely contact shy as of right now. Austin and he's not going to be able to yeah, yeah. he's not going to be able to get his separation from defenders as of right now. He's going to be a try to be a spot up shooter and teams are going to run him off and he needs something else that he can do. Um he actually kind of reminds me maybe this is like a weird comp Kind of reminds me of like a younger Nicholas Batum. Um, mm, Nicholas, yeah. yeah, Batum maybe would have been like a little bit, uh, maybe it was a little bit. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like he was maybe a little more athletic when he was younger. But uh, than than Clintman is, but he's like a beefier you know, version of Batum. A beefier version. He kind of reminds me a little bit also of Christian Wood, like draft prospect Christian Wood when he was coming mm-hmm. out. Like now, Christian Wood is more of a of a kind of a black hole on offense, but but. Uh, but uh, I keep wanting to say Bobby, but Bobby has like <laughs> a lot more playmaking upside. I mean, the playmaking for this guy at this size, I really think cannot be undersold. I, I maybe have been underselling it so far. I think he averaged like five assists per game um, with the Sweden under 18 team or whatever when he played with them. So like if you look at his international clips, he you kind of can see a little mm-hmm. bit more what he's going to be at the NBA level and I was honestly very, very impressed. I know we've talked about two very high upside guys so far, but in terms of who can just step in and, and take a rotation spot, I, I I think maybe Bobby can do it. I think that's why I mentioned the Boris Diaw comp for him, right? Yeah. Because Boris Diaw was this operator from the top of the key, running your offense, but also could hit a three-point shot. He's obviously more athletic and less out of shape than Boris Diaw, as you remember him in his later stages. But yeah, I can see that feel and playmaking skill in Bobby slash Bobby Clintman slash Clintman. So (laughs) make sure to look out for Bobby Clintman if the Lakers trade down or just take him at number 17. Either way, I think he would be a welcome prospect that we could definitely mold. All right, so for our last prospect in this range, this is kind of a shoehorn addition for me, Tommy, because he's kind of a late riser with regards to He doesn't have the pedigree of these other guys that we've mentioned in terms of like the pedigree of prospect to the point where he had to do the combine to just prove himself. But I feel like he is becoming a late riser 
and teams are starting to take more note of him. And I'm talking about six, eight, seven foot one wingspan defensive wing Olivier Maxence Prosper out of Marquette. He's 20 years old. He is a third year college player. He is coming out of his second year of Marquette where he averaged 12 points, five rebounds, one steal, 51% from the field, 34% from three, hitting 1.1 a game. He is one out of five players in the NCAA with 38 plus dunks and 38 plus three pointers made. He also was third in max vertical leap with 40 inches and first in max vertical reach when they did combine measurements. Um, I'm only shoehorning him here because at this stage, he may be considered a reach and he's currently being mocked like late first or even second round. But I think, as I mentioned before, given his combine play, how he does in workouts and interviews, he seems like one of those late rising wings that the Lakers tend to latch onto. So someone like Kuzma, because this was Kuzma's story, right? Coming into that particular draft where we were like, who the hell is Kyle Kuzma? Why do the Lakers like him so much? So I wouldn't be surprised if Prosper is this year's Kyle Kuzma in terms of he's the guy that teams fall in love with because of how hard he works, his hustle, how high motor of a player he is. So to get into his game, he is 6'8 with a 7'1 wingspan. His calling card is on the defensive end, and he runs around everywhere. He fights through screens. In During the college season, he shut down Jordan Hawkins, who was a 6'5 mobile shooter. He shut down Cam Whitmore, who's going to be mocked in the top eight of this year's draft. He shut down Colby Jones, who was the primary scorer on Xavier, I believe. And he is just very athletic. He's a good finisher, super active, high motor guy on both ends. And during the draft combine, he had a game where he had 21 points and seven rebounds. And this guy, I think, is just, if you can fit him into that Dorian Finney-Smith, Jay Crowder, Jaden McDaniels mold, I think you really have something here because his shot is also pretty fluid. And even though he only shot 34% on low volume, I think there's room to grow in that respect as well. But really, with Olivier Maxence Prosper, his calling card is his athleticism, motor, and defense. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Olivier Maxence Prosper being a 3 and D wing? Because out of all the guys we talked about, he's probably fits the 3 and D wing mold better because he is that in-between. So what are your thoughts on him? I 100% agree with that last point. And I will say he recently announced that he's staying in the draft. Um, Mm -hmm. He obviously has a lot of eligibility left. So the fact that he's staying in the draft suggests to me he has word from multiple teams that they have him as a first round player. I think the interesting thing, right, you mentioned he's been going, he's been rising up the draft. One thing we kind of have to remember, it's like all of our analysis right now i guess like who are projecting to be based in our or sort of in our range is based on very early mocks after the lottery you know or honestly even most years after the top five to ten guys it really does become like team by team and what their boards are like you know recall we took kuzma at 27 or something he was mocked well into the second round that year. But then it turned out in hindsight, right, that the Spurs had eyes on him like two picks after us if we didn't take him at 27. So sometimes the mocks are just off. And I wonder if that's going to be the case for Prosper because to me, he's like just a mega, I mean, mega athletic defensive wing. Um, you mentioned the measurables. His his strength that he has right now seems like he's going to be good enough to or strong enough to be able to defend either forward spot but you can also switch him on pretty much anything and he can really hold his own in space he's obviously like much bigger and bulkier than 
Max Christie, and he's obviously more of a big big wing than like a long guard that Christie is, but you sort of see some of those same defensive fundamentals that made Max such an intriguing pick when he took him last year. Um, he keeps his hands up. He closes out well. His activity kind of reminds me of Vanderbilt, though he's already stronger yeah. and he seeks contact on both ends, I think, a lot more comfortably than and Vando. Gets, Vando. And gets through screens better than Vando. He's and a gets screen through screens better. Yeah. Exactly. He's a really good finisher at the rim. He likes to run in transition, but he could also take like one or two dribbles and finish through contact. I think like his big key with it is the key with a lot of these guys, right? It's going to come down to his shooting. Um from what I've read, it seems like he's improved that, and I think that's part of the reason he's sort of rising up some guys' boards. Um, but if he can't, you know, hit a three, he he's not going to be able to do a lot else offensively. I will say, at least like for right now, his shot does look pretty fluid. I think he has to get better at like putting pressure on the rim, whether that's like yeah. you know attacking as a pa- to pass or to score or whatever. But you know, again, it's he just doesn't have those playmaking or you know, sort of playmaking instincts or handles right now, but he can develop it potentially. And his motor is, you know, going to, his motor is going to counteract a lot of his negatives. I think like what he reminds me of, I mentioned Vando, he's like a bigger, more physical Vando in some ways, but he's also, um, he's, he also sort of reminds me, this is maybe a weird comparison, but he does sort of remind me of like what Michael uh, Kid Gilchrist was supposed to be, um, like a bigger <laughs> Michael Kid Gilchrist, sure. like operating in the paint. Like I think the problem with Kid Gilchrist was he was not quite big enough for the type of player that he was, and arguably maybe came out at the wrong time. Um, you know, Kid Gilchrist, you could you could sort of see him fitting more now than he, he did a decade ago when he was drafted, right? And in, in today's NBA, but of course, what killed Kid Gil- Gilchrist? He never developed his shot, so that would be the the risk with Prosper is he doesn't develop his shot. And then you just have, you know, a motor wing who can play some defense, but how do you, how does he stay on the floor in, in big games? Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I put my floor for Prosper at like a Dorian Finney Smith. And I, I don't see how he doesn't develop his shot because he's already a 34% shooter at 1.1 a game, but maybe it stays yeah. capped at that spot, but that's fine because as you mentioned, he is sort of that in between between Max Christie and Jared Vanderbilt, right? There's Olivier Maxens Prosper right in the middle. So yeah, if the Lakers choose to move down a couple spots, get another starter level player, and then also get like the 26th or 29th pick, I would not be mad at all if they took an Olivier Maxens Prosper at that spot, because he seems to fill the mold of just like a hardworking dude who you can really mold and already knows what his calling card is coming into the NBA. So look out for Maxens Prosper. Um, that'll do it for our wing section. One late mention that I'd like to include would be Noah Clowney, 6'10", 7'2", wingspan, clutch client. He came out of Alabama. He's only 18 years old. Great shot blocker, wiry frame, good three-point shooter, but can't really do anything else. Is he the next Jaden McDaniels or is he just Chris Boucher? We will see, but just keep him in mind because he is a clutch client. So, Yeah, that'll do it for this Wings portion of the draft where we analyze guys in the 6'8 to 6'9 heights and whether the Lakers may take a look at them. So keep all these guys in mind and we'll see where they move up and down the draft board with regards to the draft come Thursday, I think June 22nd. So monitor these guys closely, but for now, I think Tommy's highest prospect would be Bobby, right? Probably, yeah. 
Yeah, and then I think for me, I have it at Olivier and then Bobby. And then if you just want to go high upside, shoot for the stars. Yeah, Gigi Jackson, let's go. Um, But yeah, that'll do it for our wings. With that said, Tommy, I will catch you next time and see you at the draft. Peace. Later. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.